Hi, everybody. This is Kristen Stanton, and this is Scotty Stories, our podcast about the journey from life as a CMU student to life as a successful working professional. Our guest today is Noelle Conover. Noelle graduated from Dietrich College with a degree in psychology, and she's now the executive director and co-founder of Matt's Makerspace, a nonprofit created to inspire a new generation of creative and experiential learners through STEAM-focused programming. Noelle is also on the executive board of our clubhouse, which serves those diagnosed with cancer and their families. She's been a member of the Nursing Advisory Board at Robert Morris University for over 10 years and works as their marketing consultant. And Noelle also participates regularly on committees at the Pittsburgh Foundation and is a strong advocate and supporter of the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh. So Noelle, welcome back to campus. Um, Thanks so much for talking with me today. And to get us started, could you tell me more about the origination of Matt's Makerspace and why it's so important to you? Thanks for having me today. Um, Matt's Makerspace is a nonprofit that my husband and I started three years ago, and it came out of a project where we donated some um, funds to our school district where we lived. Um, At that time, they wanted to put in Makerspaces. CMU, I'm here, I don't have to explain to students what a makerspace is, Mm -hmm. and it's very refreshing because everywhere else I go, I do. But you have some of the most beautiful makerspaces I've ever seen here. We do. Um, So the idea is in elementary schools, they they don't always have the funds to put a makerspace in. Um, It's it's an extra thing. It's kind of like the the cherry on top. Right. And even though we lived in the Mount Lebanon School District, they didn't have makerspaces. Um, we had an unfortunate event happen in our in our lifetime, and that was the um, the death of our child uh, Matt at age twelve. He died of cancer, and um, you know that's the most horrible thing a family can do. However, we found that the way the best way for us to grieve as a family was to make meaning out of his life, mm-hmm. and so we thought about who Matt was, and Matt was going to be a future CMU student. We knew that. He was um, a tinkerer, a creator, um, a kid who, you know, never built what was on the front of the Lego box. He built what was in his head. Mm-hmm. So it only made sense that to make meaning out of his life, we would we would build something in his memory with his name on it um, that helped kids do the same thing he loved to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was just logical that we built these makerspaces in the school we started in his school, where he was a where he um, was uh, last and um, in Mount Lebanon there's seven elementary schools so we started with seven so um, we're up to 27 makerspaces wow. now in three years That's incredible. and um, everyone is exciting everyone is new the kids love makerspaces their futures they're going to learn future engineering future um, CMU skills in these makerspaces that's incredible um, thanks And, you know, we talk to students here in the Career Center a lot about um, what we call chaos theory, which is this idea that an unplanned experience can really shape your career and your life in a way that you wouldn't have anticipated. Um, And obviously, you know, what happened with Matt is is not the kind of chaos that you hope is ever going to happen in your life, but it obviously, you know, had such an impact on you and now on, you know, all of these other children. but can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what your what your career plans were, or what your what your goals looked like when you first graduated? Because obviously it's changed it's quite a changed. bit. Yeah. But you know what? It's funny. Yeah. If you're a CMU student now and you're in a in Dietrich and you're in liberal arts and you're thinking, mm-hmm. what am I gonna do? 
I'm a perfect example because I was a psychology major here and I was here in the 80s when early 80s when the, the economy had tanked and there just weren't any jobs. Mm -hmm. And I remember my my husband who I, I married right after I graduated CMU, he was an engineer mm -hmm. and he had like 20 plant trips and he had 20 interviews and I kept saying, where do they interview the psychology majors? I, I'm ready for that plant trip. And unfortunately right. that wasn't the case. Right. So what I found out, the number one skill that I learned at CMU, and I, I challenge all students to do this, is I learned how to learn. Mm -hmm. and, and by learning how to learn, that has, that has opened doors for me my whole career. It mm -hmm. made a career for me. And I know I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't come to CMU mm -hmm. because I did learn how to learn. I wasn't afraid of technology. I wasn't afraid. No, I didn't know that computer program, but I can learn it. I'll learn it. So that's what started my career. And um, after I left CMU, I went to Pitt where I worked in at Western Psych because they hired psychology majors. Mm -hmm. And I got a job as a research assistant because a professor here at, at CMU had, had me as her work study student and she said I'll teach you do you know how to do statistical analysis well no but I can learn how to learn mm -hmm. and so that was the skill that got me my first job and that first job got me a master's degree for free while I was working and that wow. master's degree was in information science and when I found information science it was like the lights turned on for me mm -hmm. because yes I liked psychology and how people learn but I also really liked information and how people process information mm -hmm. and so by getting that degree I was able to get my first job which was my dream job I thought I had hit the lottery and that was with IBM and so you know I, I got there but I got there in a weird way through, right you know through through skills that I learned at CMU definitely Excellent. And how long were you at IBM? I was at IBM for five years um, until I started having children. So mm -hmm. I was married and I had two children. And at that time, and students, you probably think this is crazy, and we all do now during COVID, but at that time, it was very rigid. Mm -hmm. And I went to them and I challenged them and I said, I would like to be your first part-time professional hire. Mm -hmm. I would like to work my job part-time. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, no, you can't do that. Um, we have these strict skills. You know, you have to be here you have to do this we have to see you work and so I had to leave because I wanted to have a family and a career mm -hmm. but it challenged me again to figure it out and to learn how to learn and so I took all my skills and I rebranded myself as a technical consultant mm -hmm. which I had all the skills to do it and so I started my own business and at that time um, with with three children um, at that time I worked by myself um, doing mostly technical writing mm -hmm. which I took the writing that I had learned here at CMU because I almost had an English undergrad because I loved the English department. And I put those writing skills and my knowledge of technology and all of you know what I had learned together. And I had a really good career for about 10 years writing technical manuals. And it was back wow. when manuals were manuals and people read manuals, you right. know, it wasn't online. So, um, so that was really good. And I actually worked for 23 different companies here in the city. So I got a lot of, of experience working with corporations, you know, Westinghouse and, and uh, 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 Covestro and, you know, places like that, which were great um, mm -hmm. places for me to go. Mm -hmm. But I was my own person. I was an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. And so then I learned how to start a business. And that, that really, again, it all builds, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. And I think that's one of the great things about Dietrich or HSNS, as it used to be called, is that you do have that blend of like the soft skills and, and the, the technical skills that can allow you to do something like that. 
Um, I know students now, especially in, in COVID times um, and you know, not wanting to be locked into a nine to five in an office, even when we're not in COVID times, um, are very interested in this idea of consulting, um, working for themselves. So what advice would you give to somebody about starting their own brand and their own business? You know what, it's, I would say don't be afraid and just mm -hmm. step out there. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I learned very, very quickly was how to network. Mm -hmm. And so net, my networking skills were what got me the job. In fact, there was this guy that I networked with, I met him somewhere, and he actually pulled me into like 11 of those 23 companies. Oh my I wow. told him, yeah. I would just follow him, right? He was an engineer. He was a software engineer, so he wrote the code. And he would say to the people that he was working for, you need her because she can explain what I do. And it's true. Everyone would come to me and say, do you know, do you know what Mike just said? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he said this, right? Because mm -hmm. he spoke the technology to me, and I spoke the English to them. So um, the networking was key um, in, in doing it. And the other thing is build on your skills, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's still a common core here at CMU, but when we were here, there was a thing called the core curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I used to moan about it when I was a student, but that core curriculum I had to take, are you ready? I had to take calculus. I had to take physics. I had to take economics. I had to take, um, statistics and logic. Guess what? You need all of those. If you're going to be your own CEO. If you're going to be the head right. of your own company, you need to understand accounting. You need to understand all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't afraid of it because I learned how to learn. And right. if I didn't know how to do it, I, I pretended I did. And I just forged ahead. And I think students today have it all over our generation. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the young people that I know aren't afraid to start their own businesses. We were afraid. Mm -hmm. And now you can start your own business at home because you have all the tools. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any tools. There was no internet. No internet there was right. no <laughs> Zoom. There was no cell phone. You know, think about it. It was really very challenging. No LinkedIn. I wrote, I, there was no LinkedIn. Yeah. I wrote a lot of letters. Mm -hmm which I learned how to do here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wrote a lot of letters, I explained who I was, and I, and I found good people to chase after. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you learned a lot um, in starting your own consultancy um, that you were able to apply to founding the nonprofit. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, what it's like to start a nonprofit for those students who are interested in going into nonprofit management? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is different. So mm -hmm. for profit and profit is different. The, uh, the, one of the biggest differences is that you got to get yourself a board. Mm -hmm. And so again, it was networking. Every time I met a teacher or I met an educator or I would go to a conference, because the first year I got thrown into it. I wasn't an educator. I'm a psychology, technology, marketing. Those are my areas. My area was not education. I didn't know anything about education, but I knew how to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I found the people who did know. And and I went to their conferences. This was pre-COVID. I went to some conferences. I introduced myself. The one thing about being a nonprofit, especially if you're a nonprofit that gives away money, people will talk to you. And so the good news was, you know, they were all receptive. And uh, I early on got a great board together who backed me up. Um, our whole family's on the board. So at least I know four of them, you know, are pretty good about yeah. what I do. <laughs> um, but we have like 14 members. So um, the board was important. And then just like I said, 
said, figuring it out by, um, I go to the classrooms. Every Mount's Makerspace that we open, I go there. I sit in, my favorite part of the day is to get down on the floor with the kids and watch mm -hmm. them and just learn from them. And the other thing is getting good partners. So like mm -hmm. the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh was already in Makerspace. They've been in Makerspace since 2011. Yeah. I wasn't going to reinvent it, right? I'm going to go learn from them. And then it brought us back to CMU, which I'm really excited about mm -hmm. because my husband and I had never found a way to give back to CMU. It just mm -hmm. didn't fit. And I believe that your philanthropy has to match your passion, mm -hmm. you know? And so if people give to, to support things they like, right? And that they're passionate about. When we toured the ANSYS makerspace here on campus, and my husband was one of the first employees of ANSYS, so oh, it made wow. a lot of sense wow. that we would go to ANSYS as makerspace. I came out of here sailing. I was like, we have to do something with CMU. And so they connected us with the Gelfin Center. Mm -hmm. And my time at the Gelfin Center has been just wonderful. The, the people that run it, Judy Hallinan, who runs it, and all of her staff, and the students. I work with the STEM ambassadors. And they come to my makerspaces, and they train the, the kids, and they, and they work with them. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just so exciting. And I think it's nostalgic for me. I think mm -hmm. every time I step on this campus, because I I had such a good experience it just brings all that back and I want I want to be here I want to be part of it it's it's exciting and um, it's the sky's the limit we're gonna do as much as we can with CMU oh we're so happy to hear that yeah what's your favorite memory about being here as a student Oh, I have so many good memories. Um, of course, I met my husband at the fence. You did? Yeah, I did. Were you painting the fence? No, okay. I, we were walking by the fence. I lived in Donner Hall, and he worked in Porter Hall, Baker Hall, mm -hmm. and he was carrying a tube of architectural drawings somewhere to someone, and we met there. And we had met before, but we re reconnected there, and so that's what, that was always my fondest memory was that when we reconnected and, and became, you know, uh, oh. more serious, it was at the fence. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, and what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self if looking back? Uh, to my 20-year-old self, I would say, first of all, you have so many more opportunities than we did and embrace mm -hmm. them. There are things, I always said that I had to crash my way into technology, being a woman and being a humanities major, right? Mm -hmm. I, there were, I was always fighting two battles. I knew I belonged in technology, but I was always fighting the women aren't a part of technology and you were liberal arts, you weren't a true scientist. Mm -hmm. And I would say, don't be afraid. And, and, and I would say, take embrace all of the opportunities that you have today, especially mm -hmm. as women. You know, I'm talking to the women students now. Mm -hmm. There's so many more opportunities that you have. And, and I really, I lament the fact that I, I would love 20 more years in my career to be able mm -hmm. to embrace some of these amazing opportunities that are available for women today. But I'm happy now to sit back and watch that generation go. Yeah, yeah. I th well, I think that's great advice. And especially for Dietrich students, um, I talk to a lot of students who are just unsure sure about what to do and I always tell them to just try things try everything yeah. mm -hmm. and I think I think one of the best programs here and I don't know if it's still voluntary I might mm -hmm. even be mandatory at this point is ID8 Mm. IDA is a great idea here at yeah. CMU um, and the ability to be on a team with people who are not like you so that was one thing we were very siloed when we were here like I kind of hung out with all the liberal arts people and you didn't really cross into you had a core curriculum class but you didn't really have the ability to collaborate or to be on a team with people mm -hmm. I think anytime you have the ability to again network and and get yourself out there as a humanities student because 
I really think the best person on that IDA team is the humanities student because yes, the engineer is going to be able to put it together and yes, the scientist is going to be able to think it up. But the only person that's really going to be able to talk about it and sell it is that humanities major. So I say go for it. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to end on that note because I think it's going to really resonate with so many of our listeners. Um, thanks for coming in to talk to me. Um, I, I love what you're doing in your son's memory. Thank um, you. And students, if you're ever interested, it's matsmakerspace.org. And we love student volunteers because it's the students who really get, get down with the kids and help mm -hmm. them. And so keep us in mind. All right. Thank you so much, Noah. Thank you.